Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanted to call out the fact that my audio on this episode is not the best. I uh, did my very best to fix it, but I think I was drinking too much green tea, got too excited by our guest today, got too excited by the topic, and was just too close to the microphone or something. Maybe a poor tooth of the cord, I really don't know. Like I said, I did my best to adjust the levels, so it's not too harsh on your ears, but yeah, the audio on my side, not too great. So I apologize for that ahead of time, but we still hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get into it. I'm John Pataki, and welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than my gambling debts on Canto Bite into pop culture, film, and TV franchises, and the fandoms they inspire. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at B1N1Pod, and don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. Today, we're celebrating five years of misbegotten mom jokes, giant snow holograms, Haitian smelt, mirror caves, crystal foxes, father chases, caretakers, hold of maneuvers, throne room team-ups, salt planets, broom boys and of course porgs by revisiting 2017's the last jedi revealing eight things we love about episode eight unfortunately stephanie couldn't be here this week so we've called in a heavy resistance bomber from the star wars podcasting world we've seen their strength once before it didn't scare us then but it sure does now it's brandon winerdy from talking bay 94 congratulations on uh your new vintage teacup acquisition and welcome to the show <laughs> thank you very much uh hell of an intro uh great to be here i'll i'll try to do what i can over here um i saw your post about that cup and i was like he's he's that man man he's i'm done in it. too he's deep fun. i'm in too deep brandon yeah thank you so much for being here i feel like I, like we were talking about before we started recording i feel like we planned this in another lifetime so i'm happy that it's finally happening yeah you know you've been Published on StarWars.com, featured in Star Wars Insider. You're also an entry on Wikipedia, but you're probably best known for your podcast, Talking Bane 94, which I believe you started around the time that The Last Jedi released, correct? I did. Yeah, Last Jedi was what inspired me to start a podcast. Uh, and then I listened to our friends, the Blast Points guys, right afterwards. And, and uh, here we are. Here we are. Thanks to the last Jedi. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's listened to your podcast that listens to this. But uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you know where your podcast came from and what was the impetus for starting it beyond beyond the last Jedi and those those wacky blast points, boys. I, I mean, again, I had just like incredible Star Wars fever leaving that theater, and I really wanted to figure out a way to plug myself back into the Star Wars community. I'd been a fan, obviously, for a very long time, and so I was like, I think a podcast is the best way to do it. Um, I did some research, I found the Blast Points guys, and then I, I really was looking for what hadn't hadn't been done yet. And what I noticed was the podcasts I really love to listen to, the things like uh, Mark Marin or at the time like Nerdist, um, those one-on-one -on -one interviews wasn't really being done with Star Wars. And I thought that would be a fun niche to, to jump into, especially I knew a few people and I thought it'd be a, a, an interesting challenge. And so over the next six months, I kind of built it all up and um, did some interviews and built up a backlog and then launched, I think it was the day solo premiered or the day before solo premiered. So it was about six months. Um, and then, yeah, I've been kind of just going, going as strong as I can ever since. Um, we're at like almost 150 interviews at this point, which is awesome. Uh, and then like, and as you mentioned, um, that's turned into 
um, some writing gigs and and some really cool opportunities that I would never have, have guessed. So I'm very, very lucky. Yeah, it's a great show. I really love that you hold the line and like stay the course in terms of like, that's what you do. That's you do the <laughs> interviews. And it's like, I know you make them like thematic around different releases and things like that. I know you just talked to the, like, the cast and crew of Andor, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and like Kristen Baver and, you know, Scott Squires, that's one of my favorite ones was oh, yeah. talking to him. Um, we went to the rear celebration panel where you talked to Matt Martin yeah. and that was really cool because, you know, I feel like I was just starting this show at that time. I'm also, I think we're in similar fields. I think we, we both do like social media and digital marketing. And so to see that conversation live and to hear Matt and you kind of talking about this, like kind of fake it till you make it mentality and then actually like make it, it was really inspiring and cool. Cause you know, you tend to get as podcasters, as creative people, you tend to get like that imposter syndrome sometimes. Um, <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, but um, it was cool to see that translate into, you know, you're on stage at a Star Wars convention talking to one of the main people in the Star Wars story group about his rise to power, basically. So it's just really fun to see that. Did you know you were a Wikipedia entry? I did know, if only because this is very embarrassing to say. Um, <laughs> Do you have Google alerts for yourself? Yeah, I have Google alerts for myself. And then also I have alerts when someone makes an edit on that page. Oh, which is, cool. Yeah. Which, well, it's not even, it's not cool. It's like, I just am like, okay, well, like, what did I do? <laughs> like, and actually that was how I figured out that I was on starwars.com because I got an alert saying that my Wikipedia entry had been updated to say that my article had been added, <laughs> uh, which was very funny. But yes, I am aware. I'm very, very proud of it. Like that is, that is probably the thing I am like, don't tell my wife. I think this is the thing I'm the most proud of is having that Wikipedia page with I think it's like 15 or 16 articles now that have been, which is, I mean, insane, absolutely insane. And uh, I'm very, very lucky. Just pack it up, man. You you did it. Brandon gave out highlighters (laughs) as part of his like Star Wars celebration swag. It's a big like tradition at Star Wars celebration to give out just cool stuff that you made. He made the pink and the yellow highlighters from, it's from the beginning documentary, correct? Uh I couldn't remember which one's real and which one's Neither, uh, neither can I. <laughs> but I remember very specifically being in line waiting for celebration to start and to mm-hmm. open. And you were like, I gotta get, I'll go get the highlighters. I gotta go get them real quick. And you grabbed them. And I was like super zonked, dazed out. And you were just saying, real or unreal? Real or unreal? <laughs> my face. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know which one. But yeah, I couldn't tell what was real or unreal at that point. So I think we were all in that same boat. I was just clinging on for dear life uh, at that point. Also, one of my sons took the pink one and wrote, all over the wall the other day so um i take no responsibility no uh, zero responsibility there you owe me five dollars for the magic erasers (laughs) oh yeah there you go we're gathered here today to do is talk about the five-year anniversary of The Last Jedi, Episode 8, a very near and dear movie to me, um, I'm sure to you as well, Brandon. Otherwise, you would not have... Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I was like, like a, this is this is my ultimate trick, to like come on and just like bash The Last Jedi in this nice anniversary. That'd be so funny, actually. Maybe I, yeah. I'm like, I invited Brandon onto my pod and he did a hit job on me and now I got nothing. Later on, we're going to do a full episode on the movie itself. We'll eventually dive further into the sequel trilogy on the show with Stephanie. Opening night, take us back. The movie Iris is out. The credits roll. The house lights come up. Do you remember 
how you felt in that moment when you first saw it. Oh yeah. Sub question: How many times did you see it? <laughs> I I'm not. Um, I'll I'll speak a little bit on on like watching Star Wars movies in theaters, which is I have a very specific regiment, and I did it for the Last Jedi. Um, which is I always get the earliest showing possible. So I think for the last shot, it was a fan event. And I think it was 6, 6 p.m. They give you little postcards and stuff. So I go at 6 p.m. And then I get out and I go sit in my car and then I go to the next screening. So it's like, I think it was like 6 and 9.30 or something like that, or 6 and 10, where I saw it in the same night twice. Because what I've realized about Star Wars movies is that I cannot I cannot enjoy a Star Wars movie the first time. I really like I'm so stressed and I'm so nervous. And every, I remember like Rogue One, for instance. That first 20 minutes is a lot. I love Rogue One. That first 20 minutes is a lot. And and they have those little things in the corner with the planet names. And I just remember like freaking out. I just remember being like, I don't know these planet names. I have to learn all these right now. And like I was getting like overwhelmed. So now what I do is I go see a Star Wars movie and then I kind of absorb it. And then the second time I can really enjoy it. And that's what I did with The Last Jedi. I went in, sat down, got out of there. I just remember being like blown away. But then here's the mistake that I made before my next screening. I went in to my car and I was like, let me finally get on. I had like Star Wars leaks on Reddit, which I love. I love that subreddit. It's just like a guilty pleasure. But I, I had unsubscribed like in the couple weeks leading up to it. Because I was like, I know a lot. I don't need to know even more. Let me just enjoy it. And I got on and then I saw just all these people complaining already, right? People were like, oh, like Leia looks crazy when she's Mary Poppins, all this stuff, right? And I was like, oh, like it was kind of like harshing my mellow. And then I went back in for the 10 o'clock. I was like, no, this movie is good. And then uh, so I remember really, really enjoying it the first time, just kind of like sitting with it. Um, And then I think I saw it maybe three or four more times in theaters. I really don't go like I don't see it like some people obviously do like 10, 15, 20, 30 times when it's in a theater. I try to like make those movie experiences special when it's in, you know, in an actual theater. And then I have similar regiments for when it ends up on Blu-ray or whatever it is. So yeah, that was my, that was my last Jedi uh, extravaganza experience. Yeah. It sounds like you and I have, have pretty similar regiments where it's like, I don't want to wear it out for myself because I know I will. If I, if I allow myself to watch it more than I think like seven times is my max in the theater for anything. And it's kind of like that, you know, that Velvet Underground song, uh, White Light, White Heat, whenever I'm seeing it for the first time, where I'm just like, that's all I can sense is like white noise basically the whole time because it's just so overwhelming. The first time I saw it, I remember it just being so confused and overwhelmed by it because it was defied so many of my expectations for what the next chapter was going to be. And obviously that's the its legacy at this point, but I didn't love it the first time I saw it, but I saw it two more times that night mm-hmm. See, yeah, there you go. the third time for me it all coalesced i'll get into the reason why but it was like a really an emotional moment for me when it all came together and i really understood how much of a love letter to star wars it is from ryan johnson how much he really gets star wars like i like star wars he like he taps into the emotional element of what i love so much about star wars so it was just so overwhelming the first time i don't know if i really didn't like it or if i just didn't really know what to make of it but by the third time i saw it i was just in love and um, still am to this day, especially rewatching it for this, I, I'd reached that critical point of, you know, watching it so many times that it kind of became nothing. You know, like when you hear a song too many times, like uh, she's a brick house or something like that, <laughs> mm-hmm. where like you hear it so many times in your life that it just it doesn't sound like anything anymore. The movie had reached that point. So I took a long break from it and I came back to it for this. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just so, so good. So good. In fact, anything that's this different without getting too into the weeds 
why do you think it was so divisive? Why do you, I think it's impossible to really talk about yeah. five years of The Last Jedi without talking about that backlash and how much of a bummer it was. I don't remember yeah. it hitting until like a week afterwards, but it's such a bummer, man. I, I don't know. I think it, I think it was just a weird time. It was the start of a weird time. I think we're still in that weird time of, of like, just like pop culture being the extent of our culture, which I don't think is correct. I think, I think culture needs to be many things, not just movies and TV and like sports, right? It needs to be a bunch of stuff. And I think we're getting to a point where it's very, very, um, streamlined where it's like here are the 15 things you can talk about that's all that matters and i think we were in that in that point and i think people especially after i love force awakens i love force awakens. i think it's a miracle movie but i think force awakens played it very safe and was like here's star wars we love star wars remember star wars it's great and even then that movie is so safe but even then remember of course people hated finn they hated ray you know like even the most safe movie of all time where it's like hey remember these fun things from all the star wars movies People still didn't like it. And so when Ryan Johnson was like, we're going to challenge you a little bit, like it's not even that much of a challenge, like because even broad strokes, if you look at the characters at the end of this movie, they're the same. Like Luke Skywalker is Luke Skywalker in this movie. Like he is the Luke that you remember from the original trilogy, right? Like all the things that quote unquote, like he's messing with. What's what does he say? The turning expectations on their head or whatever it is, his subverting expectations. I was going to have a counter on this episode. And every time we said subvert, subvert. Uh, there would be a, a ding I, the, in the thing the- is. <laughs> I just don't think he did. I mean, like, I think in the, I think during the movie he does. I think during, but when you get to the end of the movie, I think he 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 is back where Star Wars is, which I think is great. And so, anyway, I think people's media literacy has gone down the toilet, and I think that's where we are right now. And I think people didn't like to think about it. And um, you know, that's fine. I am so tired, and I just want to like enjoy Star Wars movie. <laughs> And uh, and that's it, man. Uh, I'm glad. I think Andor is an interesting example five years later where it is a little subversive. It is a little weird. It is a little like anti Star Wars and almost and doesn't have the resolve, uh, the resolution that I think Last Jedi has, which is like Kylo is Darth Vader and the Emperor at the end of this. Daisy Ridley, uh, Ray is the Jedi. Luke is Luke. Like it's the things that we knew. Remains. Yeah, it's it's Star Wars at the end. It might not be Star Wars an hour in or whatever, like that you think, but like Andor right now, we it's not, you know, it's very different than what we've um, been used to. So, and people are more receptive to it and it might be how it was cloaked. It might be how it was described. It might be how it was marketed, but also maybe some people have phased out a little bit of the Star Wars fandom, which is um, fine in my opinion. Probably good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's all I'll say there. Um, it was very tiring. I'm very tired of it. Uh, and uh, that's, it sucks to have to talk about that because I think it's, it's a bigger movie than, than the subverting of expectations or whatever. I think it's it's a much it's a much better movie and more important than than just that like phrase. I wrestle with the concept of even including a discussion about the No, I think it's very important. Very important. But it's like you can't you just can't talk about it without oh, that yeah. backlash because it became so totemic and it became such a tribal moment. Like pop culture is very much in this tribal moment of like I'm a DC person, I'm a Marvel person. And it's, it's like so there's so there's just so that's much a whole different episode I'd love to talk about. Yeah, no, exactly. I, uh, I'm glad that you said read a book. My, it's not even read a book. It's read a book that is not Star Wars, if you're Star Wars. And and read a book that is not, uh, I mean, again, I read a lot. I don't know. I read a lot. Uh, I'm very proud of what I read. And I read Star Wars books. I read a lot. Of, I have unlimited subscription to DC and Marvel. I love comic books. I love Sure, them. yeah. But then I also read 
other books. I'm not saying that they're real or better or whatever, but they're at least different and they expand your worldview. And you can Absolutely. like you can't just go to a buffet and just have chicken fingers because that's very good. But like mm, incorrect, you need to have other stuff, right? And so anyway, that's all I'll say. People need to read more and watch more and go outside more. And I think that's the, that's the moral of this whole story is just like expand what you're doing. And that's coming from me, who I'm not that expanded at all. And <laughs> I guess compared to other people, I am. I was just watching Star Wars before we got on this call. I'm like, I'm not like better than than anybody, but at least I, I make an effort. I was putting together my list for a, a podcast that's being recorded uh, next week about our naughty and nice list. And I was like, man, I am just like basic bitch. I'm just <laughs> like the most populist. I love populist entertainment, but I do love expanding into the canon of world literature. And you just got to be more well-rounded and that there's just so much more out there. And you're absolutely correct in saying that i do understand some arguments of why people don't like this movie but we're not here to talk about that i <laughs> know we're not we're here to talk about eight things that we loved about episode eight we're gonna go back and forth four things each from brandon and myself in descending order from four to one talking about the things that we love the most about this movie uh this was insanely difficult for me it was incredibly easy for brandon <laughs> <laughs> when we recorded i saw his little icon like pop into the outline drop four things in and then peace out and i was like i gotta modify my choices at the last minute it must be perfect so um a real rorschach test of a of a podcast episode there you here. Go. so here we are brandon why don't you start us off with your number four starting off with number four which i think for some people might be a number one but number four for me is the throne room fight just in general from beginning to end how long is that probably 10 15 minutes just perfect star wars just absolutely perfect star wars from snoke getting cut in half to the praetorian guards attacking it's just beautiful and awesome it was so cool and and so story driven and purposeful and so thematic but also so stark and so beautiful i had a poster of the throne room fight with the thigh touch and everything on my wall for for years when you think about star wars you think about these iconic moments it's tough to think about new iconic moments in star wars right and i think that's a big challenge for these new creators and it, this was one of them and really drove the story, really drove these characters and also looked just badass. It's gorgeous. I had the opportunity to interview Steve Yedlin, who was the cinematographer. And I just like gushed about this scene for like five <laughs> minutes. I cut it all out of the interview. It sounds very professional when I ask about it in the interview. As a technical feat as well of how beautiful it is and how it's shot and how it's lit. Really, I don't think Star Wars has ever been better than, than in that moment. We were talking about first times we watched it. Like I remember watching that just being so tense and so enthralled during that entire scene. I really can't remember a different Star Wars scene that made me feel that way um, in recent memory. And And yeah, so number four. The throne room fight. And truly a shocking, surprising moment. You're basically born knowing that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Like it's through osmosis in the womb that you know that. So it's one of the few giant surprises from a movie in my lifetime that I wasn't like hyper aware of that Snoke gets cut in half by Kylo <laughs> Ren, which some people hate for some reason. I don't understand. But again, <laughs> that's another podcast. The fact that the movie is entirely in like these earth tones and stark gray cold of space. And then all of a sudden at the climax of the movie, it's that deep red curtain behind Snoke. And you know, you're in for something truly special when that happens. As Snoke says, it's something truly special. And what an adrenaline rush when that lightsaber hits her hand. Right. Uh so my hair stands on it every time so complete goosebumps yeah my number four i'm just calling it the beautiful mind of ryan johnson love it um it's just something that's very abstract to me i haven't really quite put my finger on what it is with him like not only is the movie itself 
chock full of classic film references in classic George Lucas and slash Star Wars style. Um, you know, obviously Rashomon, 12 mm-hmm. O'Clock High was a big touch point for this. Wings with that shot on Canto Bight where it goes through all the, the denizens of Canto Bight. Citizen Kane with like the Mirror Cave, uh, Long Goodbye, the Wild Bunch, all these references on and on. But Ryan Johnson's just mastery of cinematic language is just completely on display here. And this is the part where I'm like, it's just kind of like abstract to me. It's a very complex, but also a very straightforward movie. Does that make sense? Like it's, oh, yeah. there's just a, a lot of things unfolding throughout Every scene, every piece of dialogue, every shot, it's really trying to tear itself apart the entire time and just rip film down to its core, but also like reinvent it at the same time. This might just be how movies work and I'm just dumb, but if you draw the planet that they start off, if you draw that planet and like draw the line of their straight line escape to crate and then draw like where Finn and Rose depart for Canto Bite and then where Ray and Chewie come back in in the Falcon on from Octo. If you just diagram the movie out like that, it's just literally the plot of the movie on paper. It's really just so basic and so brilliant um, and kind of feels like how Star Wars is for kids, how it's like a morality tale for children. It feels like Ryan Johnson was like, here's how you can make a film. Here's my how-to guide of how to make mm-hmm. a film. Here's how to introduce characters. Here's how to do this. Here's how to make everything converge on the climax of the film. Like, I think about the beginning where how how quick moving it is and you know Finn wakes up and says where's Ray it cuts to Ray Luke denies helping Ray and then Luke says where's Han and it cuts to Kylo Ren and it's like it just gets you right up to speed so fast I really feel like the scene with Ray in the in the escape pod till the end of the movie is like some of the most perfect movie making that's ever been done it just <laughs> it just moves and moves and moves when it hits that climax of the hold of maneuver and also kylo ren and ray like tearing the lightsaber apart and everything hitting at once it's just masterful yeah and you know that continues and knives out and glass onion which i just saw recently and absolutely nice loved too. oh it's so good he's just continuing his his streak of just obliterating film in the most loving way possible so that's my number four is the beautiful big old brain of ryan johnson Love it. Should I should I dive into my number three? Of course. This is this throne room. I think people would be like, yeah, Brandon. Of course. Number three, gotta go with the fish nuns of Octo. So good. So fun. What a great creature design. It's what I love about Star Wars. I think it's you can say fish nuns and be also holistically just like Star Wars practical effects creatures, right? Which this one has a ton of. I don't think either of us said said Canto Bite. Um, but so this is kind of indicative of all of that, which is like, we got so many awesome, weird aliens, but fish nuns like had a bunch of moments had, you know, they were just running around doing little comedic beats and it's just so fun that Ryan was like, this is what we're going to do. They're going to look weird. They're going to run around, um, and really kind of sets the tone of what Ryan loves about star Wars, what I love about star Wars, what a lot of us love about star Wars, which are these like beautiful weird looking creatures that are trying to totally. just live their life in this weird world of the force right which i just love i love that and also we'll talk uh, one of my things is a little more behind the scenes as well but like the deleted scenes for these dudes as well right and the whole backstory of the fishermen coming in and them having the party and wraithing they're under attack it's all like just so intrinsically star wars and so like i could see george lucas making this up or being tucked away in a rinsler book somewhere of this being a a plot point front of the star wars and so i think again it just really makes like my heart sore i don't think we've gotten 
I know we haven't gotten a black series fish nun. Have we gotten a three three quarter? Have we gotten a like a, a smaller version? I don't think so. I don't think so either, which you know, we're five years now in. I feel like there needs to be a fish nun toy of some sort. A hot toy. Can you imagine me spending three hundred dollar on a hot toy and it comes with all the different like brooms and like baskets? That'd be it would be incredible. It would sell like thirty of them. I would be one of them. I'd build a little village. So anyway, well I'll I'll email hats after we're done with this and we'll see what we can we can get going. Pull some strings, Brandon. Here's what you need here's what it needs to be is two fish nuns with a cart and then a spring loaded rock that you mm, press a button and it rolls on ideas. hills and, and destroys their cart. Uh, we're trademarking that, so don't steal it from us, uh, <laughs> and we'll ask for our royalty checks afterwards. Thank you there very much. I just want a free uh, one. I just give me a free one for that idea. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't even need royalty. I don't even. I don't. I won't even take the money. Just make it happen. I'm going for it all, Brandon. <laughs> um, yeah, the fish nuns are incredible, and just such a such a Star Warsian thing to just. Of course, these creatures are here, and they tell their own story just by existing in these huts. Like You can fill in that background, even if you aren't reading the, the visual uh, dictionaries or any of the background information or watching any of the behind-the-scenes information about Last Jedi. You can just kind of write your own little story about why they are, what they're caretakers of, or why they're there in this ancient rune of the Jedi, you know, and it's it's just awesome, awesome creature design, and they're just so fun and funny. Love me some fish nuns. So that's your number three. That's my number three. What's yours? We're still going to count it. We're going to bump forward just past the throne room fight. We're not going to count the battle as an overlap, but I'm going with Ray and Kylo Ren. The join me, please monologue from Kylo Ren. My feelings in the sequel trilogy as a whole. I love The Force Awakens. I love The Last Jedi. The jury is out on The Rise of Skywalker and all three of them together. But my feelings on the whole trilogy aside, they really knocked it out of the park in understanding that they could not top Darth Vader as a villain. So leaning into that element and making that a characteristic and a driving force behind Kylo Ren as his insecurity, I can never live up to Darth Vader. Um, making that a, his defining character trait is like the most brilliant thing in the world to me. And it's on full display here. The next thing they absolutely nailed is casting Daisy Ridley as Rey. She's otherworldly. She's awesome in this movie. And obviously Adam Driver is incredible as Kylo Ren. The entire like force connection between them. Ray experiencing the rain for the first time. And oh, really, that's like, so re good. Reveling in it. It's such a beautiful moment. But it just is her whole character in one moment. Kylo's response, one of the first times they connect with the force. And she's like, you are a monster. And he says, yes, I am just hit so hard but this moment post throne room battle has just always been my favorite part of the whole movie you know ray in tears realizing that she's all alone no one's coming to save her her family won't define her because they're nobody and then kylo thinking he is in command and having this like vader like presence but then at the very last second he says please do you want to know the truth about your parents or have you always known you just hidden it away you know the truth. Say it. Say it. They were nobody. They were filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. <laughs> the dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. Not to me. Join me.
And it's, again, that dichotomy of Star Wars, of accepting who you are versus pushing away who you are. It's just a really classic moment, and I love it so much. And, and just Adam Driver's line reading during this part is out of control good. <laughs> You're nothing. You're nothing. The way he says it is burned into my brain. So that's why number three is uh, Ray and Kylo post throne room fight. So we're going to count that as a non-overlap. Yeah, there we go. I love it. I love it. Let me go to number two, which is, and I think we have a small overlap here too, a little bit, a little bit, a little different. And I kind of knew it was coming and I'm glad I like heard the rumor or like there was like a rumor that like maybe the puppet was on set or something, but the return of Yoda, the return of puppet Yoda and the return of Frank Oz really just like ruined my life. It was so good and so great. And it was so nice to see Yoda and this older Luke talking and reminiscing. And really you get uh, an aspect of Yoda where it kind of balances like the empire Jedi Yoda with the prequel Yoda, which I think is very interesting. You know, you talk about cameos and you talk about fan service, you talk about all these things, but in the last Jedi with both this, the Yoda scene, and then also something that comes to mind is like the, uh, you're my only hope hologram scene, right? Where it's like, it's, it's definitely fan service. It's definitely, you know, you're a fan, you understand who these people are and you understand why it means even more, but it's in such service to the story and such service to these characters that are growing. It's a great moment. That it's just fantastic. And we'll talk about it. I have a bonus. I cheated a little bit. I have a bonus. You're a cheater. I know. The behind the scenes footage of Frank Oz coming to set and interacting with Mark Hamill makes this even like a hundred times better than it is. And so I think I think not only his appearance, but what he says and what we learn. And I think you'll get into that a little bit too. Like just Yoda teaching us again after 30 years is is really fantastic. He's teaching us He's teaching Luke, and it really is just like a beautiful, beautiful, intrinsically Star Wars moment. I think I'm just going to go for it and call the audible here and just do my number one right now. Do it. Do it. Let's get crazy. Get crazy. We're going wild. We're defying all conventions, just like The Last Jedi. We're subverting your expectations. You're subverting this podcast right now. That's crazy. Crazy, man. Yeah. My number one is not just the return of Yoda, but what that meant to me in the moment, specifically the moment where he says, We have what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. The the scene between Luke and Yoda, you know, it was proof to me that Star Wars was always going to be my ride or die. It's always been there for me. At this particular phase of my life, you know, my boys were born the same year, February 2017. The Last Jedi in this moment felt like Star Wars was growing up alongside me. It was, this was the third time that I saw it. And that's when I was really overwhelmed by the emotion of it and this reunion and what it meant to see Yoda back there in that with Luke in the role of the mentor at this point, having his mentor sit down and tell him, no, you don't just pass along the successes, you pass along the failures and you and you live through them and you push through them to move beyond that. Um, that's what parenting is. That's like mm-hmm. the entire goal and role of parenting is to create a better life for your child, but it's also to raise them to surpass you and let them grow out by making their own mistakes and forging their own way, not in like a rule of two way where you raise (laughs) them to surpass you and they uh, end up killing you in the end. But well, hopefully not at least that theme of failure is where parenting comes from. It comes from the idea of like, this is where I messed up and I don't want you to make these same mistakes. And that's what this whole moment is. And that the poignancy of the theme of failure throughout the last Jedi is just like, obviously they're hitting you over the head with it because Yoda is literally saying that's what the theme is. (laughs) But it's Yoda. His legacy in the Star Wars 
canon and the story is failure as well. Mm -hmm. So in that moment saying like, I failed so much that the entire Jedi order fell apart because I wasn't paying attention to the signs of a, of a Sith Lord amongst us is something that, you know, it, it really resonated. And like you said, it could have gone so wrong, but it, it went so right. <laughs> so it hit me in just the right way. It hit me in all the dad feels. And uh, I, I just love this moment so much. It's just so, so tender, but also so funny. Like the, the, page trainers they are not you know the whole no, talking about the super giant attacks is like so so good on the subject of my boys real quick before this movie came out i had like the snoke i ordered like the snoke action figure that was on the throne remember like <laughs> the black series uh-huh. they were obviously not even one years old yet and uh, <laughs> one of them grabbed it and was playing with it and accidentally broke it in half mm. but the movie <laughs> the movie hadn't been released yet and i was like <laughs> Are you clairvoyant? Like they figured wow, it out. They, they knew it. They yeah. Talk about some. If, if one year olds can subvert the expectations, too, yeah, it's not that. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Kids definitely subvert the expectations of your life. That's definitely that's definitely the case. I also had this moment spoiled for me, but I didn't. It still really hit me really hard. Like I seriously, the like five minutes before going into the theater, saw a little meme on Facebook that was like Yoda shows up and burns a tree down. I was like, that's not gonna happen. And then that's exactly what happened. So fuck that person, whoever they are. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. That's why I have to spoil it for myself. Otherwise, um, otherwise I'll you know cut somebody. You and uh, Jason and those in those we're, we're real bad. We're real bad, but it's nice because we we um you know it, we we really like egg each other on, you know. And so at least we have something mm-hmm. to talk about it with. And Gabe too, <laughs> like we're all like kind of like for instance, those acolyte photos came out. I don't know if you saw those. Oh yeah, but they like did. they like ruined my life. Really, like I just that's the first thing I saw, and I was like, my day is done, man. I am I am conked out. Uh, and so it's nice. It's nice not like because uh, sometimes I, I try to tread very carefully because I, I get like we were talking about earlier for me to go into a star Wars movie and know nothing, I would actually pass out. Like I would actually like not be able to like, for instance, I think a great example is, is force awakens. I knew going in that Han Solo was going to die. I knew going in that Han Solo was going to die. You guys are so crazy. If I did not so know crazy. that though, if I did not know that I would have, I would have actually died. I would have actually just like keeled over and like thrown up. And then had to leave the theater if I because but at least I had like a month to prepare or whatever it was. Both of us, you know, we we grew up with the idea that there might not be any new Star Wars, right? You know, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith ends. You have Clone Wars running around You're like that's fun. What a totally. good time. You know, like I never have to worry about this again, you know, especially with the prequels. Like I didn't grow up. I, I saw the original trilogy within the span of like three months. Right. So I didn't have to like worry that much. And then the right. prequels come out time. and you know what? what the prequels are you know at the end darth vader is going to become darth vader right you know all these mm-hmm. things and so i knew you know but now with these new ones i'm like i don't know what uh, talking about last jedi i remember my heart just like almost like erupting from my chest when the cave scene happens and you're like oh we're about to find out who ray's parents are and i was just like so overwhelmed and so freaking out i was like oh my god Anyway, so I tried to I tried not to feel those emotions. I tried to uh, reg- regulate. It's like it's like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Or I tried to I tried to remain yeah. in, in line. So I had to be like restrained during Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I was like, please just tie my arms to the side of the chair. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. So yeah. Just, just oh, I, that movie. I was so nervous that I mean, again, spoiler for if I I was worried Harrison was going to die in that movie. I was just like so nervous that they were going to kill Decker, and he doesn't. He doesn't die, uh, and he has a beautiful arc. 
And I felt really good. I felt really great. Uh, and I'm very worried that that's going to happen again um, in six months with a certain <laughs> Dial of Destiny movie. I'm very concerned I'm, uh, that I'm going to have to see both Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford or, and Han Solo die in the span of what, a decade. Listen, with the Indiana Jones like potential of what it could be about, I cannot handle the idea of what could possibly happen in that movie as a swan song like farewell to Harrison Ford. And I cannot <laughs> handle I cannot handle losing Harrison Ford to acting and John. Williams to composing in one movie. I just, I just can't do it. The next six, you're talking about a pretty optimal time, right? The trailer came out for indie. My Black Series toys are in the mail or whatever for you know Raiders and like that. I feel good right now, but then as soon as you hit January or February, when like real trailers start coming out, I'm it's gonna be bad times. Bad times at the El Royale over here. Yeah, bad news bears. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> counting out. I want, I want that Club Obi Wan Black Series figure to go on to go for a proprietor. Yeah, where is that gonna be a Target exclusive that- or something? I don't know, man. I. I'm, we're really derailing, but it's fine. We're doing pretty good on time, so I'm feeling good. Yeah, we're doing great. We're uh, the Black Series Indiana Jones figures. I call them the Brown Series. What are they actually called? Adventure Series or something, like something. Or, The Brown yeah. Series, I think. Would have been. Anyway, the Brown That's... Series figures are beautiful. I really don't collect that many toys. I really don't try not to buy that many like actual action figures you can buy at Target. I buy a bunch of other terrible stuff. But with that, since they have those plasticless packaging i feel a lot better about buying them because i know i'm going to open them they they don't display well right like everything else i'm looking at my black series around me and i don't open them and i'm like oh yeah like because i like to get them signed by a person i interviewed like i like that but like these look terrible not open and so i'm like oh i'll just buy all of them and have a nice little shelf of just like indie six inch figures but then i know i know that one went like probably jay we're very close to them ruining my life they'll be like here are the indiana jones the hot toys figures of indie are coming right they have to be coming and then i'll probably just sell the black series figures and get the hot toys at that point i'm really nervous about this like new <laughs> indie renaissance right we already have these shop disney prop replicas and i've bought i bought every single one about every single one and even the, it, like the Sankara stone, for instance, it's not good. And the Grail, I'm not like a big fan of how the Grail looks. I think it looks a little cheapy. Mm, the Staff of Ra, like Hasbro one, also looks really cheap. And I was oh, like, yeah, well, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. And the Staff of Ra, the Hasbro looks terrible. That anyway, <laughs> uh, and like I got the Voodoo doll, and that's not like super accurate to how it looks on screen. Anyway, all to be said, I spent probably a thousand dollars in the past six months on indie merch, which has never happened because <laughs> I was not, I did not have money when Crystal Skull came out. Right, I was still. In like high school so i'm very nervous to be in this new position and i, I tweeted it i don't know. Uh, i've been looking up this is really we'll talk about last jedi in a couple i looked up all of the people who made the original costume so like the guy who made the fedora the guy who made the jacket all this stuff and they still exist there's also uk clothiers right you can still buy them and they've been very sure. smart and you can buy the fedora you can buy the jacket and I'm like, and they're not that bad. Like, I mean, they're not cheap. They're like three hundred dollars or five hundred dollars. But like for the real, but for the real thing, pretty good. The only problem is like you can't see me. We're recording with no video. I wear pretty much only black. Like I pretty, it was like pretty like kind of streetwear, kind of athleisure. Like nothing like I really would never have the reason to wear a leather jacket and i would especially <laughs> never have the reason to wear a fedora. So I can't spend like a thousand dollars on shit that I would never actually wear but i'm very close i'm very close to just like doing it time to start your own brown series and just get the fedora get the hat you know the world is burning thank you no i is now there's beauty in the breakdown so 
Okay, well, we'll stop talking India. Sorry, sorry that I derailed, but there's your indie. Invite me on when you want to talk indie, and I can just it'll be a four hour podcast. It'll be great. This is the last will and testament of of Brandon <laughs> before Indiana Jones comes out. Let's get the mind car back on track. Yes, yes. And, thank uh, you, thank you, thank you. That was a all dramatic lead up to our number one choices of the eight things we love about episode eight. Now I just, I'm just penciling you in for at <laughs> yeah, least no, one of the Indiana Jones You let movies. me know, man. You put, uh, and, and make sure you get Gibner too. And we'll just, it'll be like a six hour podcast, man. It'll be sure. crazy. It'll be. Tempo doom, you down. Let's do it. <laughs> let's hear your number one. Go for it. Number one is Luke Skywalker. Is the portrayal by Mark Hamill is the character of this, you know, iconic, iconic person in all of our lives. And done so fantastically and so beautifully and so tragically. And I think really is just like the perfect way to end this character's journey that we've been a part of for 40 years. And again, Mark Hamill not being nominated for an Academy Award for this is crazy. Criminal. Criminal. Crazy. But also very interesting. Like, and we'll talk. I have my bonus coming up. But like his his struggle with this character and with this arc and with how this all went fascinating down, very fascinating and adds to the complexity of all of this and i think the story that is told through this character that we have such immense connection to just like maybe maybe more than any other fictional character we relate to luke skywalker and so when you see this character struggle when you see this character doubt and then when you see this character succeed you feel like you are struggling and doubting and succeeding and i think it is masterful and i think it is important and i think as the last jedi as this title as this character it is important and full circle and just an incredible example of what star wars and its storytelling can do Uh, so that's my number one is simply uh, luke skywalker i mean i couldn't agree more i really just want to say like to people that don't understand the portrayal is like have you never regretted anything in your life have you never done anything that has held you back or made you feel like you've completely failed i used to despise bob seeger i used to think that (laughs) bob seeger and the silver bullet band was like trash couldn't stand it dad rock sucks then i turned 35 and i was like i get (laughs) it man i totally get it luke skywalker in the last shot i is the bob seeger of of star wars where it's just like it's just regrets and and the passing of time and feeling like you are responsible for the cycle that's going to continue like it's me hi i'm the problem it's me it's luke skywalker <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm removing myself from the situation i think about the moments of levity and comedy that he adds to it you know where he's tickling ray's hand with a little reed and <laughs> smacks it reach out I feel something. You feel it? Yes, I feel it. That's the force. Really? Wow, it must be really strong with you. I've never felt any... Ow! You meant reach out, like... I'll try again. Even though he... I don't want to step on your bonus, but even though he rejected the role uh, in in the portrayal, he... That part where he says, like, I'm still going to give it everything I got. He does, and... To hear Luke talking about Darth Sidious and talking about the legacy of Jedi's failure and seeing Luke, let's gracefully segue into my number two, but at this point, my number one, just the weird force stuff of The Last (laughs) Jedi. There's a moment that's really not really referenced in a lot of things that I adore about this movie. 
it's when Luke reaches out to Leia on like that weird rock tablet platform. And it's just one of the most beautiful scenes in Star Wars I've ever seen. I'm reconnecting to who else my sister in this moment. It's just masterful and so shocking and inspired and just such a fun portrayal of a character we've known for so long. Um, and then to go back and like at the end with the little kids, with the little paperclip versions of Luke Skywalker. Oh, so like, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Like I said, my number two slash number one is like the weird force stuff and how mainstream the force goes in The Last Jedi, if that makes sense. Like we've oh, seen, yeah. we've, I mean, we've heard talk of the force through all the previous entries. All the EU stuff and the Legends canon and like all the new Disney canon goes deep into stuff, but like, you're seeing this bizarre, intense force rumination on a big screen with all the four quadrant stuff. You know, you got your people that have never seen Star Wars. You've got your your diehards. You've got your casual fans. Everyone's watching and they're going into it, man. They're they're like diving into it in such a way that like it clarifies everything about the force, but also <laughs> somehow makes it more ambiguous, which is like this whole movie, right? It clarifies the story but it also makes it way more ambiguous at the end octo is this weird like forest jungle gym that they all exist on like there's different <laughs> cave weird mirror caves there's the forest trees that they climb inside uh, there's these rocky outcroppings where they walk out and have like meditation rocks and the caretakers like we mentioned earlier and we learn that force projection is a thing and you know obviously the force's ability to like will its host back to safety with Leia flying back to the ship, which I personally really love. It may not look the best, but it's such an awesome moment to me that we get to see Leia finally use the force on screen. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, that the astral projection at the end, which just like fucked me up for two weeks afterwards. <laughs> I was just like, oh, wow, I can, like Luke can do that. Like, and it really introduces this mentality into Star Wars of like what Star Wars invites you to do is to ask and to say, like, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know we could do that in this story. Not, oh, they can't do that. That's not a thing. <laughs> It's that invitation to curiosity from the force that I love so much about this movie, adding to the layers of what it could be, what it couldn't be. Like one of my favorite Star Wars things ever is the last three episodes of season six, like the lost missions of the Clone Wars, where Yoda goes on that bizarre, crazy ass like spirit quest to figure out about the dark side of the force and face himself. I live for that stuff. The Bendu, I love all of that. And so to see it projected on screen in such a, a way that is like, yeah, the force is weird was a really a thrilling moment to me from The Last Jedi. So, you know, that's our list. You want to go through your, your honorable mentions? Honorable mention, just a little small bonus, and we kind of touched on it, is just the amount of behind the scenes footage and stuff that we got for this movie. Insane. In, insane. And the director and the Jedi is really a love letter to special features to Star Wars and really gives you that extra glimpse into what makes this movie just so so fantastic uh and ryan just like george really loves behind the scenes footage loves documentaries respects you know dvd special features um and really tries to include them on everything that he does and this was no exception and that director in the jedi man is just so so good i was actually i got very lucky they did the premiere of the documentary at the film festival here where i live in austin at south by southwest and so wow. it was like six months after when the DVD was coming out and uh, and I waited in the cold. I drove from Dallas to Austin actually because I was not in Austin and I, I waited in line and then they were doing a talk. It was Ryan, Rand Bergman and Mark <laughs> were doing it. Oh my God, first. incredible. And it was, I got there very early. I was the first one in line. I got front row. They're just like making eye contact or, you know, and it was crazy. And I met Ryan afterwards. And I just gushed and it really like cemented this whole 
whole experience. It was really, again, a fantastic thing. All of Ryan's black and white photos that he was taking on his camera. Oh my God, I love not so much. We still have not gotten a book of those yet, which is crazy. What are we doing? I'm so pissed. I'm so pissed that we have not gotten that yet. Really, maybe the greatest injustice of all time. I'll probably tweet this right after we talk. Like, so like really (laughs) right now, one of the most important things that came out of this was Ryan's uh, lobster cardigan that he wore on set, especially uh, on the battleship bridge and, I, I keep looking for it. I have a Google alert set for it. I really want it. Uh, <laughs> it's got to come out. It's so close. Uh, so those are my bonus picks for sure. Style icon. Absolutely. That lobster sweater, again, messed me up for like a month afterwards too. I was just like, man, just looking good on the set, Ryan. He's probably the director, obviously Spielberg, but he's the director I most like to hang out with and meet. He just oh, seems sure. like the coolest, most down to earth humble guy and like i said earlier i'm just so impressed by his humble nature and his his genius brain i just i really have a lot of respect for that kind of blend of a person where it's they've got what it takes but they don't flaunt it you know i also like the other side i, I also love a crazy egomaniac director but that's another story yeah, that's too. a whole yeah i love that too i really love in that documentary i watched it before we did this episode i re- rewatched it again um something i completely forgot about is him talking about like the russian bots <laughs> that are all tweeting at him from hashtag Hux live that if he kills Hux in the movie that he'll freak, they'll all freak out. Yeah. I love that moment. And like you were saying, the moment where Mark Hamill and, and Frank Oz are reunited and he sees the puppet when Mark Hamill sees the puppet again, it's just waterworks every time. Some of my honorable mentions, uh, the movie again, being weird as shit. It is just a fucking weird movie. I really love the chemistry between Rose and Finn, um, especially like their little knowing looks at each other. Um, I always laugh. I always think it's really funny when, uh, BB-8, like the top of the ATSD rips off and BB-8's controlling it. And they're like, what? So <laughs> like the, um, that look they give each other. I mean, Laura Dern, marry me. I love you <laughs> as Vice Admiral Holdo. Just this calming, soothing presence, but also like putting Poe in his place. She's really great in this movie, I think. You know, obviously our last moments with Carrie Fisher and my like behind the scenes moment that I love so much is... Ryan Johnson doing like a press tour and being gifted the AT-18 Oh, I love it. He, I love that, that so he, much. he never got as a kid. It's just like one of the most heartwarming things you'll ever see. Uh, if you haven't seen that, check it out on, on the Star Wars show on YouTube because it's just, it'll get you where it counts. That's it. We did it. We did it. Yes. You know, those are just a fraction of the things that we love about the movie, but you know, let's hear what some others have to say. Hey all, Josh here from Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast. One thing I loved about The Last Jedi was where to find hope when there's so much reason to despair. When The Last Jedi came out, things felt really dark in the world, and they still do. Um, And similarly for the characters in the movie, it looks like their entire world is crashing down around them and that the spark of hope has gone out. But they keep fighting, and they find their hope in each other and in the potential for a better future with the next generation leading the way. And that was inspiring, exactly what I needed to see then and something that I hold on to now. And as Poe says, hope is like the sun. If you only believe it when you see it, you'll never make it through the night. Hey, John. Hey, everybody. It's uh, me, Larry. You know, I'd love to to tell you that what I love the most about The Last Jedi is that it, it thought really interestingly about the Force, or that it made me consider the history of the Jedi within Star Wars. But if I'm being honest, what I love the most about Last Jedi is that it's full of weird creatures and aliens. I really like 
the Canto Bite scene. There's a lot of wild stuff in there. If it's worth going through the visual dictionary or, or kind of pausing and going frame by frame, I love porgs and I love the caretakers. I think they're my favorite part of the whole movie. Have a good show, and uh, I'm off to go drink a nice hot glass of green siren milk. Hey, best one since the next one. This is Jason from Blast Points. I wish I could be there with you guys tonight talking about The Last Jedi, as The Last Jedi is something I never, ever, ever get tired of thinking about, talking about. It's one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time. And I've been thinking a lot about The Last Jedi as we approach its five-year anniversary, which is just insane that it's been five years. But I've been thinking a lot about the legacy of The Last Jedi, especially kind of after Andor, where... Would we have been able to have something like Andor without the risks that The Last Jedi took? And with all the stuff that came with The Last Jedi afterwards, yeah, we we have something as complex and something that challenges the way we think Star Wars could or should be or whatever, like Andor. And I, I honestly wonder if that would have been possible without The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi never fails to make me think, make me cry, make me emotional. I'm still discovering new angles of that movie, and I hope we get to see Ryan Johnson play in the galaxy far, far away once again before too long. Thank you so much, John. Love your show. Can't wait to hear this episode. Hey, everybody. It's me, Mark Johnson. I like The Last Jedi for two reasons. One, I think it has some of the most beautiful shots in all of Star Wars, just the way they're composed. Two, I love watching Luke go from a grumpy old cynical man to become the hero that he used to be, because it's a cool reverse of what we get to watch him do in the original trilogy, where he goes from a naive, whiny kid to the hero that he is. And then we get to watch him go from this cynical person back to the hero that he is. I think it nicely frames his character arc or his journey to becoming a hero. Uh, and it's just a, a, a neat little echo of what happens in the original trilogy. John, best one since the next one, Pod. This is Travis with Force Time. The Last Jedi, my favorite movie, not just Star Wars movie, but movie ever, had such a lasting impact on me for so many reasons. I could talk for so long about it. In fact, I just did on the podcast as well. I love seeing all the love go around. And I think what really sticks with me is how it just changed Star Wars forever. It it was fresh. It was new. It was the only way that Ryan Johnson could truly honor George Lucas and Star Wars by doing something fresh, going to places that we didn't know that we could go with Star Wars. We got four complete character arcs with Luke, Ray, Poe, Finn, and that's really rare in, in movies in general, but to do it in a Star Wars movie and make it flow so seamlessly. Uh, some of the some of the biggest moments for me, of course, are the throne room scene. I remember holding my breath that first time watching it. Never forget that feeling. Great, and how Luke's story ended just perfectly with the most Jedi acts that you could ever do. The Holdo maneuver, Finn's moment against Phasma where he finally cements himself as a rebel. 
Rose Tico's line at the very end, it's not about fighting what we hate, but saving what we love, bringing the entire movie together and delivering that message that Star Wars is and has been forever about using love instead of hate. We see that time and time again throughout the saga with Luke throwing down his saber against the Emperor to save his father, to Obi-Wan in The New Hope sacrificing himself so our rebel heroes can, can get away. We see it in Attack of the Clones with Yoda, you know, helping Anakin and Obi-Wan instead of going after Dooku to kill him. It just brings it, it just brings it all together and that message that Yoda gives Luke which is the theme of the entire movie about the greatest teacher of failure is and how every single one of those four character arcs that I talked about earlier come together with that exact message. I, it just still blows my mind how great it was, how perfect it was to me, and it really got me back into fandom, and I'm just forever grateful for The Last Jedi because it just means so much to me. So. Again, I can talk for hours and hours and hours about this topic, but I'll leave it at that. John, thanks for asking me to do this and can't wait to hear the episode. May the force be with Brandon, you. Brandon, thank you so much for doing this. Clearly, we'll have to have you back on when Indiana Jones fever mounts. The symptoms have already set in, but full-blown fever is coming. If I'm not dead, I'll be here. I'll be here. But thank you so much for doing this. I love talking Star Wars with people that love Star Wars as much as you do. So thank you so much. What a what a way to spend my evening. I really appreciate uh, the invite. Want to tell people where they can find Talking Pay 94 like you don't know. You don't <laughs> no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Uh, people can find uh, Talking Bay on Twitter instagram facebook at talking bay 94 and then of course on spotify or apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to shows we are there uh we'll have a lot more coming up in 2023 some really really cool stuff i have a very cool interview that i'm hopeful happens this week uh that i'm sure i'll just blast about as soon as it happens and then yeah if you want to read some of my stuff um star wars insider keeps publishing me <laughs> they won't stop i had a starwars.com um article about the bad batch uh, come out last week which was crazy so um you can find me in a lot of places which is uh, absurd thank you so much you love talking about the last jedi and hopefully they'll make a sequel to it someday yeah and we can all yeah, who knows that, so. yeah I, I i would be so happy if they ever made it uh star wars episode nine right that'd be great stay tuned next week we're uh, joined by silver from star wars thrifting and into the garbage shoot podcast to do our annual tradition of our naughty and nice list to talk about our favorite moments tv shows and movies of the year this has been best one since the next one and and we will see you next time. May the force be with you. Duh.